0: I am Pendarius, a scholar of Thera. My name is Sorin. I hit people. A tablet I translated could hold the key to stopping a demonic apocalypse at sundown. Oh, this is gonna be fun. Many will try to stop me from unlocking its secrets. Huh. Oh, they'll try. This would be my first adventure with Soren let's go as the avatar of green eyes welcome to a scholar's journey the white guard was created by the church of dalron to protect the cities and lands of Dahlia with unblinking vigilance and staunch courage many of the white guard openly worship other gods The only requirement is dedication to upholding the law and a keen sense of justice. In the capital city of Dealia, Deil, the White Guard is blessed with two warrior leaders beyond compare, fraternal twin brothers with radically different fighting styles and outlooks on life. When dawn breaks, it is they who hold up the pillars of our land. The room had not yet been cleaned after Sorin's fight. The assassin was still lying crumpled and unconscious in the ruins of what had earlier been a bed. Two men were in the room, examining the scene. They both held their bodies with an attitude of authority. One was standing while the other was hunched down and leaning toward the unconscious man. The first man looked down on him from above and the other squatted with his arms around his knees. Both men had short curly russet colored hair and square faces and seemed almost identical with only minor nuances that differentiated them. They were just past their twenties, but their faces were creased with signs of battle experience beyond their years. Both of them were wearing loose-fitting white cloth taverns over their chests, which were extended from the shoulders to just past the groin. The taverns were embroidered with golden thread around the edges, and had emblazoned over the breastbone gold hammers that shone elegantly in the morning light. That was where the similarities ended. The standing man was wearing a full set of plate mail that covered him like a whitewashed exoskeleton. It was primed white and covered in a clear wash that caused it to gleam brightly. The armor had faint etchings visible religious symbols. Unlike other white guardsmen who only showed homage to Dolron, this one claimed him as his god. He was much taller than average and was built. A great sword hung diagonally across his back in a hinged scabbard that allowed the user to unsheath it quickly. Impressively large and wide, It was built well for battle, with a full tang that ran down the center of the handle and a triangular blood groove. He held his helmet at his side. It was angular and pointed, almost hawk-like, with a hinged visor. His fraternal twin was sitting on his heels next to the bed, looking over the unconscious body for clues. He was without armor, and instead wore white cloth under his tabard. A pair of gold filigree daggers with naked blades curved into a golden sash at his waist. His form was lithe, and shorter and slenderer than his brothers. Fashioned for dexterity, rather than power. Unlike his counterpart, this brother was able to squat on his haunches easily. The breeze through the open window rustled his curly hair. The morning air brightens with mystery and intrigue. What do you think, little brother? The heftier man patted his very slightly older twin on the shoulder. People are still sleeping, Aiden. Lower your voice. Aiden dismissed the comment with a wave of his hand. You are such a bore, Jadis. Does this not intrigue you? Jadis shook his head in response. Exasperated, Aiden sighed to himself and then laughed at the familiar exchange. From the door, another guard entered and saluted the twins. His chest was emblazoned with a silver hammer. Lord Aiden, Lord Jadis. after investigation we are unable to discern the identity of the victim. Jadis turned toward the guard and gave him his full attention. Nothing? Nothing, my lord. Aiden pivoted on his feet. Retaining his crouching position. And the one who escaped. He must have given a name to the innkeeper. He did, my lord. Sorin Luna Mortalitas. Hmm. What was he wearing? The guardsman saluted. A red vest and loose black pants, sir. Aiden scratched his head and walked toward the door then stopped when his brother motioned toward the assassin on the bed. Where was the culprit last seen? I do not know, my lord. I am sorry. Aiden searched the assassin's cloak and discovered the Silver Crescent Moon Pendant. He showed it to Jadis, and both twins immediately headed toward the door Aiden patted the guardsmen on the shoulder on their way out. Take care of this scene. As they walked, Jadis turned to his smaller brother. I know that look. What is on your mind, Aiden? Hmm... My gut tells me that our red-vested stranger was attacked by an assassin and he defended himself with near-deadly results. Curious events are afoot today. Before we leave, I have questions for the innkeeper. And then we check our next lead. As Soren raced after Pendarius, he caught sight of the young scholars pursuers turning toward Ed's tower. He watched from afar as they stabbed Ed with their wicked curved silver swords and then pushed a blade through an apparently guiltless woman's chest. Damn, more innocent sacrifice to the machinations of my brother. Pandarius was still alive, and Soren intended to keep it that way. He saw a green light pass between the scholar and the woman as she was stabbed through the heart. The meaning of this encounter was not lost on Soren, but it could not hold his attention for long. The first assassin noticed Soren approaching as he was pulling his sword out of Ed's body. He instantly recognized him and roared, Traitor! Then he whirled and tossed two daggers with precision. With lightning fast reflexes, Soren quickly raised his arms, blocking both knives. The wickedly sharp edges of the weapons glanced off the bracers on his forearms and left sparks in their wake. Soren barreled into the assassin and grasped his entire face, palming his head like a melon and then drove the black cloaked man's skull into the doorway with a dull, wet, crunching sound, which knocked him senseless. With a brutal twist, Sorin rolled the man onto his shoulder and continued his assault. Despite his opponent's limp, dead weight, Sorin threw him back into the atrium of the tower, the man collided with several stacks of books and tumbled to a stop, kicking up a cloud of dust in his wake. The other assassin figured that Soren was preoccupied and ran at the crimson-clad warrior with great ferocity. He chopped downward with his sword and would have clipped off Soren's head had the warrior not tucked into an agile roll. The sword impacted the doorframe and stuck there. Soren quickly got back to his feet, using the momentum of the roll, combined with a heavy stack of books to push off of and reverse his direction. The assassin tugged at the sword, but time was not on his side. Soren got to him quicker than he could get the weapon out and smashed him in the chest with an open palm attack that caused the assassin to overbalance and rock backwards. Soren grabbed him by the collar and pulled him back violently to chop down on his neck with a wicked knife hand strike, followed closely by another. Soren let go, and the assassin rocked on his feet for a moment. Soren then slammed cupped hands over the assassin's ears, shattering his eardrums with the strike. The assassin hovered in the air for a brief moment as his sense of balance waned. Soren then finished off the assassin by throwing his body upward and headbutting him brutally in the face. The assassin crashed to the ground and lay still. Soren walked to the dead woman and pulled her off Pendarius without hesitation. He reached down and slapped the scholar across the face to wake him up, and followed that with another and then another slap until he saw movement. Pendarius's eyes flickered open, and he looked around in confusion what where am i he blinked the fog from his eyes and looked up sorin what are you doing here ah oh, ow and why does my face hurt it hurts because i slapped you sorin proffered his hand the scholar took it, and Sorin helped him to a standing position. As Pendarius rose, Sorin grabbed him by the collar and drew him close. What did you do to draw the attention of the Mortalitas assassins? The scholar slapped away the offending arm, and Sorin let go. There is a dull throbbing in my head that pounds away like drums. Mm, what a dream! Ed and Gale died in my dream. They were killed by black-robed men, and then there was this feathered woman?" Soren shook his head and turned away in grief. The scholar stopped and looked around, his eyes locked on the bleeding bodies of Gale and Ed and finally on the assassins, unconscious on the ground. Oh, oh no. Sorin let Pandarius breathe for a moment, and then turned back to him. Why are you marked for death? Pandarius shook as the horror around him set in. I do not know. And Darius and Sorin rush into danger as assassins and the city guard begin closing in. Warriors clash in a frantic escape in the next episode of A Scholar's Journey. The voice talents of Eric Erickson Briggle as the narrator and Pandarius Grayson. William DeLeon as Aiden Phillias and Zane Jones as Jadis Phillips. Additional voice by Eric for the assassin of the dog. Stephen Daniel Moore as Soren Luna Mortalitas. Stephen Nagel as the intro narrator. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of A Scholar's Journey.